Hi everybody, good morning. This is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development and it is our privilege to have Omar Bourne with us who works for a PR firm in New York City. Good morning, Omar. Good morning, Dr. Hansen. Thank you for having me. Oh, look, it's really exciting. We actually haven't had someone who works in media and PR, has experience in emergency management and been involved in deployments. And I'm really excited to learn from your experiences. I'm excited to be here. There's a great intersect between uh, uh, emergency management and PR and communications that people may not realize. And yes, we have public information officers, uh, but what does that mean? And how can you get your message out there as an emergency management specialist? And, you know, I've lived it. And so I'm happy to be able to have this discussion with you and your viewers. Thank you, Omar. Why don't you give um, everyone a little bit of background about your history in PR and emergency management? And if appropriate, I can show a couple of those pictures that you sent me. Yeah, yeah, not not a problem. So I actually started my career in a newsroom uh, here in New York City, at one of the local TV stations broadcast. And, you know, it was a great experience. Uh, I that was my first job out of college. I worked there for seven years on the assignment desk and I work with deploying the crews, getting the information uh, from sources uh, like myself when I became one. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, and that was a great experience. And then I transitioned after that uh, over into emergency management as uh, deputy press secretary and then press secretary uh, for the emergency management agency here in New York City. And, you know, that was a great experience and being able to work in media and broadcast, uh, you know, gave me the experience and the exposure that I need to really apply those skills in the emergency management field. Now, you've sent me a couple of pictures of different um, situations that you've been involved in, mm -hmm. and you've talked to me about um, uh, trust and the importance of trust between the community and news organizations, and particularly mm -hmm. communication in blue sky times, when, when things are not tough, things yeah. are not difficult, when the weather is good, building yeah. the trust. Why do you think that's important, and, and how have you seen that beneficial? Yeah, I, I mean, trust is important within every aspect of life. I liken it to a relationship. When you're getting to, to know someone, you have to build up that trust first before you can really uh, create the foundation for that relationship. And it's the mm -hmm. same for emergency management and communication. And so in blue sky times, when there isn't an emergency, what are we doing to ensure that we are building trust with the community because there is that interset and the connection and the relationship that needs to be built. And so uh, from my experience in working with emergency management, uh, building the relationship for the response is a day-to-day -day process. So what does that mean? You should be working with your community uh, on a daily basis, whether that is using social media to engage your audience, uh, you know, whether it is actually going out into the community uh, and having drives and having, uh, we had something in emergency management called mobile office hours where during the summertime, we would go out into the community. Uh, we'd work, we'd team up sometimes with the fire department, uh, the police department, the health department, different agencies, and we would go out into the community hand out literature, uh, you know, 
uh, and different information and, and provide activities for individuals so that they knew who we were so that when it came to the emergency, they can say, hey, we're familiar with uh, you know, the emergency management agency, we're familiar with the officials because they've been to the community, they've worked with us. And, and that goes across not only the community, that goes across working with your elected officials as well. Uh, you know, we invited them to those, to those uh, uh, events as well so that, you know, they could participate and you could really build the bond uh, because they are then going to be your ambassadors to connect with your community uh, when you when there is an emergency. That's brilliant. I love that you're actually, you encourage that going out and physically meeting in person and building those relationships. You yeah. mentioned to me about the joint information system. Tell mm -hmm. us about that for those of us who don't know. So New York City is a complex place, right? And we have a number of different agencies, 40 plus agencies here that deal with a number of of different emergencies. Obviously, you have your fire department, you have your police department, you have the Department of Buildings that deal with building structures, uh, uh, you know, uh, Department for Social Services that deals with uh, older adults, etc. And so when there is an emergency, sometimes uh, these this would inter intersect with these agencies. So you're looking now at a multi-agency response, which means that you have to make sure that everybody, uh, first of all, knows who is going to be responding to the emergency. But not only that, but they understand each other's role. And then mm. uh, when you are uh, communicating to the public and disseminating information to the media and to the public uh, at large, you want to make sure that you have a unified uh, response. And mm. so the joint information system, I like to say, uh, is a system that can be put in place for an emergency and prior to an emergency so that everybody is, you know, uh, beating, uh, marching to the same drumbeat. Now, there's a system and there's a center. So in emergency management, everybody knows about the Joint Information Center, which is the physical location where people go, uh, you know, if there is a major emergency. But what happens if there is a serious emergency where you may not need everyone in a physical location for a long period of time, but you still need that joint communication. And, and I like to say that that's where the joint information system uh, comes into place. For example, when we would respond to a heat emergency, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, bringing in emergency management, you're looking at bringing in the health department, uh, heat emergencies uh, often tend to affect older adults, those who are, you mm. know, older or may have underlying health conditions. So you want to make sure that you're bringing in uh, the Department of Social Services as well. And, right. and, you know, so how do you then bring all of those people together to make sure that you are communicating each person's message to the public? And so that's important. And that could be as simple as an email chain where you loop in all of the relevant PIOs public information officers, communications experts, et cetera, uh, to have the discussion so that you can plan, you know, your response to the emergency. 
Omar, I wanted to ask, because you're you're an expert in communication, do you think that the agencies, the departments, um, you've got a joint information system and a centre and working together, is there a consistency in the language that's used to communicate to the public about events that emphasises the the importance or the danger just i'm thinking of because of climate change and mm -hmm. the extreme weather events how maybe a heat wave means i might go to the beach versus a heat wave means i need to get inside and i need to protect the elderly and you know it's it's a more of a life-threatening event so does mm -hmm. the language convey the importance and is it consistent across departments and teams yes it is yes it is uh you know and, and that's what you strive for and that's where um, even practicing comes in, uh, where prior to an emergency, you know, you're having uh, a functional exercise or, or you're having a full scale exercise where now you're bringing all the players together uh, so that you can discuss the language, discuss mm. what needs to be included in your message ahead of the season. And, you know, we were very good at we are very good at you know making sure that we bring everyone together on a consistent basis so that we as i said are marching to the same drumbeat uh so that when there is the emergency the gray sky you know we're firing away on all cylinders we have the language uh already in place and obviously if you have to tweak you tweak but everybody knows who's the player and who's supposed to be at the table uh, for the response. Right. I just want to share a screen and um, why don't you tell us about this picture? Amazing picture. Yeah. So uh, this was our deployment uh, during Hurricane Florence back in 2018 uh, in North Carolina. And our urban search and rescue team, uh, New York Task Force One, uh, which is made up of uh, fire department and police department uh, special units. Uh, we uh, and they are managed by New York City Emergency Management. Uh, we went down to North Carolina. We were deployed by FEMA, uh, you know, to help in the community uh, to rescue those uh, who needed to be rescued. And um, my first deployment as a PIO, uh, public information officer, and and you know, I went down with the team. Uh, really to be able to share their experiences uh, and the great work that they were doing in the communities uh, with, you know, not only local New York City um, media that went down, but with the national media at hand. And uh, this was one of the first uh, deployments uh, that we did for that day while we were there. And uh, this person, you know, was trapped in their house. Uh, they obviously needed crutches uh, to move around. Uh, and our team went out uh, and they rescued that person. And I was there to snap the photo, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some video when they, you know, when they uh, was able to complete the rescue. And for me, you know, usually uh, press people aren't on scene right away or right. live in the action, especially in a hurricane. Um, and so for me, it just spoke to the heroics of these men and women mm. who out to save people that they don't know. But that's what this work is about. It's about helping people that you don't know. 
mm. and their heroics uh, to be able to to share that and to capture that, to document it and then share it with other people just speaks to not only these men and women uh, and what they do to sacrifice to save others, but it speaks to the the story that can be told and the importance right. of, of sharing that story with other people. So how and, about this one? Yeah, and the, you know, and uh, the president at the time, President Trump, his communications team uh, retweeted and, and gave us a thank you uh, to the team for, you know, the hero heroics that, uh, you know, that they were doing. And again, you know, to share those stories um, live in action and, and to be able to just see the work, it's amazing. And you know, those those men and women, they're heroes, they're the real <laughs> heroes. And I'm just happy that, you know, despite the situation, obviously, because it is a serious situation. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm happy that I was able to at least share the good news of the work that they were doing. It's um, it's always nice when someone's senior and particularly the most senior person in the country celebrates and acknowledges the hard work of people, yes. the sacrifice of people, the the willingness to just turn up yeah. and to save lives when things are tough, when, like everybody, they deserve to be safe, they deserve to be home with their families, mm -hmm. and yet through their active service and their commitment to their fellow man and fellow woman, they actually turn up, get the yeah. job done and save lives. It must be incredibly gratifying for you yeah. to be working with uh, real-life heroes. Oh, indeed. Um, you know, and they 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 were happy to have me there you know and and i think they understood then the importance of you know having someone there who can not only field and coordinate those uh requests because the requests obviously from the media you know were coming in rapidly uh mm -hmm. so it's good to have someone there who could coordinate that uh and give real-time updates and i think that's the important part part of it right is that you're given you're able to give real-time updates uh to to let people know you know mm. what is going on but also what resources might be needed i'm wondering about working with the different departments communication um pretty high energy um high capacity people what were some of the what are the ongoing challenges mm -hmm. that someone working in in the media and communications uh, might find working with people in different departments like that and how do you navigate those challenges when you're working with them over communicate i can't stress that enough over communicate trust but verify confirm you know you want to make sure that everyone is on the same page because you know there are going to be multiple interests that uh you know each agency may have each agency is going to have uh an individual uh interest but at the end of the day you're coming together for one common cause and so for us uh where we are kind of coordinating you know everyone and the different pieces for me, it was always just making sure everybody's on the same page, communicating consistently, uh, constantly uh, with everyone, and then asking questions. Uh, and so I always like transparency. I always like to make sure that when I am looping in one agency, that the other agency is involved. We're all mm. in it together. Uh, and, you know, we're a team. 
and, and, you know, you stress that, you know, at the end of the day, we're a team, we're going to communicate and uh, we're going to work together to get the, the job done. It's, it's fun. It was fun. <laughs> what do you think up to this point is one of the most memorable experiences that you've been involved in? I would say it had to be in the deployment to North Carolina, uh, the, uh, the pictures that we just showed, um, mm. because, again, you know, usually, you know, PIOs don't usually deploy with um, a, a task force team. Uh, and so to be able to have that experience um, and to document it firsthand in real time, I mean, there's it was memorable. You can't you can't even fathom uh, having an experience like that. And and I felt I felt comfortable. I felt safe, uh, you know, and and they made sure that I was safe. They said, hey, you can't go you can't go past this this line you can't do that and you know even back home um my bosses were calling hey how are you are you okay <laughs> um but that it was just a memorable experience and one like no other so for people just as we wrap up omar and this has been really interesting and i think um some people would be getting excited about the opportunities to yeah. work in media being a public information officer working for the city what would you suggest to an aspiring public information officer, particularly in emergency management? What would you say are some things that people should build into their toolkit, some understanding, some experiences, some skill sets to prepare themselves for that type of role? Yeah, um, obviously, I would say you have to be a media junkie and understand um, how media works, right? Um, right? I think what helped me was the fact that I worked directly in media uh, prior to uh, mm. over into the PIO role at emergency <clears throat> management. Now, obviously, everybody is not going to have that experience. But then the question is, how do you, once you get there, formulate those relationships with mm. the media? Uh, and that comes with time. It comes with engagement. It comes with understanding what media professionals are going to want and, and how best to be accommodating to them. Because, again, in public informations or PR, however you want to state it, you're going to be working with the media, right? It's a symbiotic relationship, I like to say. And so how is it going to benefit uh, everyone? And that means going above and beyond and being uh, accommodating, but also understanding the difference between a response in blue sky times and a re response when there is an actual emergency, right? Because when there is an emergency now things are be they're ramping up <laughs> and so the approach to blue sky times are going to be different uh than the approach to uh an emergency as it's occurring and so you need to understand the difference between between the two and understand how you are going to respond and react my biggest thing that i always like to uh to implement was preparation uh, and for example, there are emergencies that you can prepare for, and then there are emergencies that you you might not gonna you're not gonna be able to prepare for. But as best and as much as possible, prepare. Uh, you know, I I knew that when the winter season was coming up, or if the summer was coming up for heat emergencies, there's certain uh, protocols that needed to be in place to 
to ensure that you are ready for for a response, right? And then obviously, with uh, an, a non plan an unplanned emergency, I should say, like a building collapse, you know, mm. that's different because you just got to get up and go. But there's still some preparation that you can have. And that is, well, who are going to be the key players? I know for a building collapse, I'm going to have my buildings department. I'm going to have my fire department, emergency management, and whomever else may, that may be involved. So uh, it's a matter of just always trying to think and anticipate uh, the, the next emergency or what the response for the emergency is going to be. But then more importantly, and this just speaks to something that anyone can do, uh, how are you connecting with the community? And I don't want to go back and I want to bring it first full circle, right? Because during an emergency, what you have to realize is that people are going to be hurting, right? Because they've right. lost some, they've lost either possessions or God forbid, they may have lost a family member. Hmm. Uh, so how can you be empathetic to that person and, and, and understand uh, the needs and then for in a PIO role, how do you communicate those needs, right? And that's where communications comes in because it's going to be so important because people are going to be searching for answers or searching for uh, information that's going to help them uh, recover. Uh, and so you want to make sure that when you're thinking about crafting the language that, you know, it has empathy and it has sympathy in it and it has the information that it needs because at the end of the day, that's what's gonna count. I remember uh, we uh, we deployed to Puerto Rico after the earthquakes in 2020. Uh, I went down with my commissioner uh, at the time and you know she didn't speak Spanish, I didn't speak Spanish. We went out, we visited this lady, Spanish speaker, uh, but, my commissioner, who is now FEMA administrator, she was empathetic. You know, she put her arm around the lady. She was there and she she right. showed that empathy. Uh, and that lady was thankful. And, mm. you know, we had a translator, but she she just expressed her thanks for for our commissioner showing up and being there and showing empathy and letting her know that everything is going to be OK and that help is on the way and help is there. And so I think when we're looking at our plans, whether it's in communications uh, or or if you're a planner in emergency management uh, who's making a certain plan for a community, at the end of the day, uh, what are we doing to be empathetic and to show people that we care? And that is what's going to count. That's brilliant. So I just want to summarize that. So um, being a media junkie, um, uh, building the language of empathy, to yes. connect with community, yeah. uh, being accommodating, mm -hmm. uh, understanding that there are different responses between blue sky and when an emergency happens, and preparedness, being ready for the different types of emergencies that you know of, but understanding that the unknown may come or must come. Yes. And so being ready for that or prepared, even inside ourselves for that. Yeah. I think that's really great advice. Omar Bourne, I really want to thank you for your time being here with us today. I, I thank you for having me. Uh, invite me back anytime. This was great. A uh, lot more we can talk about. I know we only had half an hour. So appreciate you, Dr. Hansen, and uh, looking forward to more discussions.
Thank you. Omar, please don't go anywhere when we wrap up the show. But for everyone watching and for our students watching the recordings as well, and for those emergency managers who might have been sent the recording, um, as emergency managers know, when you're constantly in your career, you're doing training, you're doing development. If you're like most emergency managers, you have a big folder full of certificates and trainings that you've done through FEMA and other local agencies as well. But maybe that hasn't translated into an academic degree and you'd like to get your bachelor or your master's degree. So reach out to us at uard.ac.nz or uard.org to make sure that we can give you credit and recognition and recognition of prior learning so that you can gain your academic degree faster from anywhere in the world, anywhere, anytime. So again, Omar, thank you for being with us and thank you very much for your time and for helping communities in the way that you do. Mm -hmm.